Hey, my friend, welcome to the Living a Better Story podcast. You know, sometimes we call this podcast an experience because all throughout the mass variety of amazing guests we have on the show, you'll hear stories of overcoming trauma, hitting record-breaking business growth numbers, forgiving the unforgivable, and yes, even miracles that will shock and inspire you. My name is Daryl Stinson, and I'm one of the content producers here. I trust that you're already living an amazing story, but whether you are or not, we are here to help you live a better one. The process is simple. No matter where you are in business or life, we are gonna show you how to complete your past, tell the truth about your current reality, and empower you to live a better story. So, as you hear stories that inspire you and information that can help you, please do us a favor, subscribe to the podcast, share with others, and let us hear about the goodness that's happening in your life. All right, my friend, that's all for now. Go enjoy the episodes and get ready to swing open wide the door to unlimited opportunities. Hey, everybody, Chad Burmeister, and I'm your host of the Living a Better Story podcast and the Academy. And I've got a really cool guest with me today. Dustin DeVries is with Caffeine Interactive. And on his website, it says, dream out loud, we'll handle the pixels. And what that means is they help you with website development, web and mobile app development, web and mobile maintenance, all kinds of really cool stuff. And what he just told me before we launched the show is his favorite passion is working with like the Seattle Public Library, where they're able to help teens who are having challenges in life. And right now, teens are having more challenges than ever. So think about when we can line our talents with the people who have the most need and make the most impact on the world. Wow, it can be amazing. So Dustin, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Chad. Thanks for having me. Yeah, these um, these are to me, these are sometimes divine appointments. You know, every conversation I have, you, you, you see a little bit of yourself in the other person and you're like, oh, you're that part of me right? and I'm that part of you. Um, so to help our audience get to know you, I've added a new question. So this is going to be a first. What are the three words that you think others would use to describe you? In a positive context. Uh, well, hey, you know, <laughs> stubborn uh, would be one my wife would use to describe me. <laughs> I'm going to go positive on this one. So uh, I'll try to anyways. Uh, I'll say, you know, I think honesty is honest, uh, reliable and, and fair or just. I think those are kind of the three that at least I would like to associate myself with. And I think I think most people that I that I know have have shared their insight with me thinking, you know, said that I, they feel that way about me. So I'll go with those. I love that. And it's interesting because the world reflects back on us who we are. And so when you can own like, hey, these are my three words that I really want to start living into within like hours or minutes or days. It's amazing how that tiny little shift, right? It's just like honesty and, you know, it, oh man, that's good. So let's let's rewind the tape. Um, I love the fact you've got guitars in the background there. I've got mm-hmm. two on either side as well. Um, when you were young, five, six, like your first memories, you know, mm-hmm. what did you think was your passion? Like, what did you, you know, I have very vivid pictures and videos in my head that play. What comes to mind for you? You know, I remember I'm trying to think when I was when I was six. I know I was, you know, I was kind of into science. I loved astronomy. 
there my dad had a telescope and we'd go out and look at the stars. Um, that was around the time too. So this was, you know, in the, that would have been 83 because I was born in 77. That was around the time, I think it was a couple of years later, maybe from being five or six when Nintendo came out, but it's kind of the, the age of like uh, computers and uh, video gaming systems. I remember when I was a kid, we had an Intellivision, one of the first uh, gaming systems, you know, it's right there around the time with Atari and all of that. We also had a Commodore 64. I don't remember exactly what year that was, but it was around that age, six to eight years old. Um, just kind of surrounded by that. My dad was was involved quite a bit and he, he was kind of on the cutting edge, I guess, uh, with computers and, and uh, of course, video games kind of came from that. So that, those are definitely my favorites, you know, for sure, cartoons, He-Man, Speed Racer. We're watching the uh, wrestling, the guys in the tidy whities wrestle on the <laughs> public access channel or whatever it was. So I love baseball, too. Those are kind of my things. That's what I, I recall from. What was your favorite games. game on in television? Uh, you know, I was trying to remember what games we had. I know we had Donkey Kong. So I think Donkey Kong was definitely up there. And I think there was a baseball game. I love, I think yeah. that's probably where baseball, baseball started for me. The love of baseball. What about Pitfall? Oh yeah, Pitfall for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Oh, did yeah. you get the shirt when you completed it? <laughs> when you fill out the did. form, they send you a shirt. <laughs> I completed Pitfall. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, love, I love some of that old stuff. And there's a great movie, if you've ever seen it, called uh, King of Kong. So it's about uh, professional guys going and breaking the records on some of these uh, uh, games like Donkey Kong. I think is the, the main one they focus on there. It's a great movie, by the way, if you ever get a chance I to see it. I haven't seen it. Wow, that's so neat. Yeah, Michael Very Jackson nostalgic was a hit back in the 80s, too. So Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to be starting <laughs> something. <laughs> yeah. You know, I wasn't that much into music back then. I don't, I don't know why. Uh, it wasn't until like the Vanilla Ice years. That was kind of the first thing I got into. So I think it was like sixth or seventh grade. Uh, finally, like, oh, there's this whole thing called music that people listen to. And as luck would have it, uh, Vanilla Ice went to an, an event on the East Coast that some of my friends that are part of a of a of a uh, board of advisors thing, a group of CEOs. So a week ago, he's in pictures with all of them. He was doing his songs mm-hmm. and everything, and that was pretty neat. Oh, that's um, awesome. So thinking about you know Pitfall and Donkey Kong and. Mm-hmm everything that you just talked about, if you were to tie a thread in time between then and now, what do you think the commonalities or what's that common thread of, of what you love then to what you're doing now? You know, I think it's probably definitely curiosity and exploring different things. There's definitely a component of that. Definitely, you know, just looking at the fact that that was technology. Uh, it was the innovation of the time back then. And, you know, I'm still involved in technology today. I think that really seeded the, uh, the, thought in my mind and made me comfortable around technology to where I was able to excel at that. Um, you know, that's, you know, that's probably the, the more common, obvious things, um, you know, and, and certainly family because family, you know, as an only child, my parents poured a lot of love into me uh, growing up. And so that's always been real important to me as well. Uh, my, my family and people that are close to me, uh, you know, mean everything to me. So that's awesome. Um, it's, it's interesting because God's been talking to me lately and he's bringing me to prisons. Like, Hey, these are people who do something wrong and on a level of scale to probably what I've done wrong in my life. Like maybe I lit a firework by the highway once and and the police came and walked me through a river, uh, all the way back to the car. And that was embarrassing. Um, and, and, and that was, you know, that was a brush with, okay, I did something wrong. And, um, 
I was called out for doing something wrong earlier this year that wasn't wrong. So I was incorrectly accused of something. So that was interesting <laughs> when you're like, you know, and I think if you, if you have passion for people that are like, how many people are in prison that didn't do anything wrong? And you're like, wow, think of that. So I don't know what it is about this prison thing. And then Africa, because if you watch this video on this website, it says hell on earth, top 10 prisons in Africa. And you look at them and you're like, what? How could, so when, when I've got a family that was nice to me and taught me love of God and grace and, and all of it, there's times I strayed from the path. Uh, but when I come back, you go, whoa, there, at least there's something to come back to. Um, yes. So, man, let's talk about that. So life's not always green and roses. It, there's, I call it the buzzsaw, right? When we hit the buzzsaw of life, um, what's a traumatic experience or something where you're just like, wow, at the time I thought this was going to really not work out. And then now it, be, it helped you become the man you are today. That's a really good question. I think for me, there's kind of three life events. One that I'm a little more personal about, don't don't talk about a whole lot. It's kind of really someone else's story, but it was about uh, addiction problem from someone close to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's two others that I feel pretty comfortable sharing. One was dealing with infertility. Uh, and then the second one was was going through cancer. So if I can talk about both those for just a second, I mean, with, with infertility, uh, you know, wife and I, we felt like, you know, I was working in a, in a high-tech job. She was as well, making good money. We didn't have a lot of things distracting us. We seemed like we were just groomed perfectly to have a family. And we're just sitting there trying to figure out, well, why are we having such a hard time having kids? What is God's purpose in all this? Because like, you know, we're, we've done everything right. We've checked off all the boxes. We've been responsible. We've taken care of ourselves. We put ourselves in a great position to pass on something good to a future generation. Why isn't this working out? And so we pushed and pushed against that for uh for several years, you know, starting with just, you know, basic things that you do when you're, when you're trying to go through getting, getting pregnant to, you know, consulting with fertility doctors. And, you know, we were getting to the point where we were looking at like in vitro fertilization and some things like that. Those are options we were having to weigh if we wanted to do that or not. And some concerns about that. And so we kind of just tapped the brakes on that. And we said, you know what, like there are a lot of concerns here. Let's go consult with our, with our pastor. And we went and talked with him. And it was just amazing the the opportunities that opened up when we quit trying to force like our path on all this, and we took a step back and we said let's let's start trying to listen more than than dictate. And so, I mean, literally, like the the whole story of of our you know our foster store I think is huge because it was like when we went and did that, we talked to our pastor and he said, I've got a guy that's been on some mission trips with us. He works for an adoption agency here in Austin. Um, love to refer you over to him. Um, let you talk to him. We call him up. He says, it's really cool that you called us right now because there's this national uh, adoption, adoption conference, Christian-based adoption conference that happens once a year. It just so happens it's happening right here in Austin in your backyard. He called me just in time. And so we went to that. It just completely opened our hearts to everything about foster care and adoption. And it really paved the way for us and what we ended up doing, which was uh, going through foster care, uh, uh, fostering two beautiful kids, a uh, uh, a daughter and a son or you know, brother and a sister. Um, and they, uh, we fostered them for a year. And then we were fortunate enough to be able to fortunate and unfortunate because, you know, with, with our blessing, there's trauma on the other side because there's, you know, uh, their original bio parents that weren't able to, 
to get things together. So we always want to be, be aware of that. But, you know, it, it built our story and allowed us to have children. And, you know, looking back at it, obviously, that's one of those things. I would never change anything about that. It was such a blessing to have infertility because it introduced us to these beautiful kids that that we love and, and feel so blessed to, to have wow. in our lives. So two quick thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. We're moving our house. So we had some big boxes and the camera people are coming in this morning. So my wife and I were trying to use our own might to lift the big wardrobe box. that was literally pretty heavy and my wife's pretty tiny. So it's like, what's going on? And finally, I'm like, I, I thought about my son funny enough. And, and because I, I'm like, oh, you just use gravity. And so I like, it was, it became frictionless, right? You just tilt it, plays a little song, comes down. And so when we turn our, when we, when we really give it to God and just say, look, times are struggling, I'm in jail or I'm in this, or I'm in that situation, whatever it is, it really doesn't matter. It could be the most enormous thing ever for you guys. It was the most enormous thing ever, right? Your enormous was someone else's enormous. I mean, that's just huge. So that's the first yeah. one. How do you become frictionless? The second is my best friend is adopted. So from his perspective, what I heard you say, because I've listened to him for many years on this, he had planned to go find his bio parent. And that's an important word because I used to think incorrectly real. And that's not true. Bio is the proper definition because real, when, when I, I knew his parents, Ginny and Dwayne, and those are his parents. They're his real parents because he's adopted. And so if you think about it, if God's your father and you are put under the care of two people that love you and adore you, then you're the, you're the real parents. And and I saw it with him because it took him going to meet the bio mom. And she, and she told the story. She said, when I looked at like she had a pastor come in and she didn't want to give it, give up the boy for adoption, but was like, I guess there's no way around it. Like I couldn't figure out a way probably because she didn't pray to God because she might've figured out a way, but as luck, as God would have it, like I would have never met my best friend throughout life. And he, he, like I was a nerd and he was a popular kid. And I was like, dude, he helped me become a popular kid. Like, thank you, Jesus. So, so the mom says, Hey, can, can I see him? And they're like, yeah, we're really not supposed to do it. But the minister was a, what allowed it. So she stared in his eyes for like a whole minute and just said, not a minute, an hour and said nothing, this little baby. And then they went their separate ways. And then, you know, my, my thinking on him was, Hey, when you're 18, let's go find out and say, what's going on. Well, he waited and waited and waited maybe by age 25 or 30. I can't remember what it was. But I remember going to San Francisco Giants game and he called and I'm on the stairs with my wife and kids. And he's like, yeah. So I went, I'm like, what? And so it's like abuse, divorce, multiple wives, but the husband, she, and he meets them. And it was just a, it was a mess on the other side. And so you go, man, he would have been in the center of a storm. And now he got to be out of the storm in the calm in a house that was amazing. Like we're all here on planet earth and we're all adopted by our parents because we're child, we're his child. We're all on loan anyway. And so is all of our belongings. And so, dude, that's a cool 
thing to think about. I, I'm yeah. happy for you. Yeah. I love what you say about, you know, the uh, adopted son, but the, the real parents and, and all of that, because, you know, I think that's something that I struggled with. And my wife, I think everyone who's ever gone through sure. adoption, you, you think about, well, you know, are, am I going to, are my kids going to look at me like I'm real parents? And, you know, certainly when going through foster care, it's even, even worse because then you're thinking there's all these stories about kids kind of live with you for a certain amount of time, you get attached and then something happens. They end up going back to the, to the, to the, what we call bio parents. I'll use that term because that's when we usually throw around with that. Yes. Um, there's always that fear, but there's that certain level of just trust that like, okay, well, I, I know that what I'm doing is what God is leading me to do. I know that it may result in some form of tragedy, but I'm going to have confidence that as long as I'm doing what he wants me to do, that there's going to be some blessing. And I may realize that blessing tomorrow. I may realize that blessing 10 years from now. I may not realize that blessing ends up being someone else's blessing, but there's a blessing in there somewhere, you know, and that was something that stood out to me. And then the other thing I wanted to say is about the whole talking about adoption. You know, one of the things that really that kind of sealed the deal for me with thinking, okay, I'm, this is what we need to do. And I can't remember the name of the book, uh, which it might be adopted for life or something like that, but it was, uh, you know, a Christian based book on adoption. And one of the points they made was just talking about Jesus being, you know, the immaculate conception with, with Mary, he did not have a earthly father, you know, that conceived him. And that was the lineage of Israel. And that was so huge. You look at the Old Testament and all of the talking about the lineage, Abraham, Isaac, you know, just going down the line and that he was willing to stick someone in, in that lineage that was, had a father who was not on this earth, you know, I mean, he had Joseph as his, as his earthly father, but was not conceived by Joseph. Right. So just that thought. And that clicked my mind. It's like, okay, well, if, if that's, if uh, the lineage of, of Israel, God's chosen people is good enough to have an adopted ancestor in there who is also our savior. Why am I so hung up on this whole idea of, of foster care and adoption? And so it just really opened my heart. And I think for my wife as well. And that's where we, you know, went down this path and truly blessed because, because of what we did. It's not without its hardships. We still struggle with things, but you know, it's, it's been amazing. Wouldn't change a change of things. Man, One of the things I'm most proud gift. of. You just yeah. gave our listeners and me, I'm shivering from side to side because Thanks. when you realize that that secret that you just shared, that it's like Joseph, Joseph's the adopted dad, the real dad is God. Mm -hmm. And yes. you, when you put that together, you go, whoa, does that open up a whole new understanding mm -hmm. of everything? Man, I prayed the other day because I, my third tragedy was on September 23rd, I'm um, five to seven days in on COVID. And I always shrugged it off as oh, I, I make it through this stuff. But I, but I also had another virus when I went to China that lasted 12 days. So in the back of my mind, I'm always like, oh, shoot, I really don't want to get this thing. And so I did. And um, I think I got it when I was on a trip to India and a guy was, it was a Hyatt hotel and he was coughing and he, and he knew he had it because he was spraying the spray after he would puke up his lungs coughing. And I'm like, dude, I'm in a rotating thing on the top of the Hyatt. And, um, but it was one of those things that was turned out to be an amazing thing because at 3.37 in the morning, I see the nebulizer and I'm like, I know that gets me five points on my oxygen meter and I'm down to 72 and anything under 90 is bad. Go to the hospital. And so I'm like, crazy. She's 30 feet away in my son's room, sound asleep, you know? And so she didn't budge. And so I'm like, I go to the nebulizer and I'm sitting there and I've seen it before where you'd see that they talk about the tunnel to me. It, it's just your peripheral vision. Like physically, 
your peripheral coming in and it's almost yeah. like going to beep. You know, you, you could see the flat line coming because it's just going in. And I'm like, okay, God, if you need to take me right now, I've, that's okay. I'm yours. And I, I, you said this out loud, right? I am yours. And I was like, now I feel like, Hey, I'm just getting started for you. I'm working for you 70% of the time. I think I'm a pretty good employee and I want to work for you hundred percent full time. I know you have a lot more for me to do and come and do for you in your name. That said, I also know that there's eternity and I'm like, what? And so this was the, this was the aha moment. Because my relationship with my wife goes from like, I used to score it. Oh, it's an A, it's a B one day. Oh, now we're in a C plus land. Like, what the heck is that? And so I said, God, you've given me the most amazing, beautiful wife on the inside and the outside. I have confidence that she will pour into our kids, not just now, but into eternity. And I said, so God, if I had to go now, it's okay. They'll be fine. And that's when I realized like, wait, no, my wife's 100%. She's exactly the right complement at the soul level to everything that I do. And so now that I see it and I'm open to it, I'm like, what the heck was I doing? So I now lean in on it. It's yin and yang. It's like balance of the universe. But oh, no. uh, yeah, sometimes it takes getting to the, I called, I wrote a song called 10 minutes from the end of the road. I am yours 10 minutes from the end of the road. Unfortunately, it takes 10 minutes from the end of the road for some of us, those tragedies in life, whether it's 10 minutes or 10 years, like you talked about, it's, it's like the tragedies. If you just open your eyes and look and you go, oh, wait, God just needed to show me something. Yeah. Yeah. It's either waking up to something that he wants you to realize, or also, you know, like we're talking about before, just realizing that you're part of a bigger picture, you know, maybe uh, it could be like the Shakespeare thing, uh, life's a stage and we're, but actors, you know, we are all actors and in, in a bigger message, right? So sometimes that's uh, to our benefit. Sometimes it's to the world's benefit. Usually it's, I mean, always, I think it's to the world's benefit if we're doing what God wants us to do, but that may have some reciprocal gain for us, or it may not. And we just have to be, be comfortable with that. But there's a definitely to me, I think there's a big piece that I find in that. Cause then it makes me feel like, you know, I'm not, my only responsibility is really just to make sure I'm doing what God is calling me to do. My responsibility is not to try. I mean, I, I need to be proactive about it. There's things, you know, you don't just sit there passively and say, well, God, I'm not doing anything because you haven't told me anything to do yet, you know, but at the same time, like realizing that's really your mission is to try to find his calling for you and your, your purpose. And it just, a, for me, it's been like a paradigm shift since I've, I've realized that. And it's, it's really charted everything I do in my life. Well, I should say everything. You know, if I'm trying to choose where I'm going to have dinner tonight, <laughs> I'm not praying to God about that, but I am, you know, uh, and that's probably where I'm, I'm, I'm weaker is that I, I don't, those big things have to happen sometimes to wake me up. And I think it's probably true for everybody, but uh, it's definitely true for me. So a week after recovering from COVID, I had the oxygen tank at my house and everything. Mm-hmm. I prayed and I, and, and I've seen angels before at night and in, in a few interesting moments. Like when our son and daughter were born, I saw an angel. Um, I prayed, God, I don't recall like being with you. If, if, if it's your will come into my room tonight. And and at one o'clock in the morning, I woke up and literally he was there and it was the peace. This is all understanding. And it was just there. And I said, even if it's just for a minute was my prayer. And Mm -hmm. guess what? That's how long it was because I could have allowed it to go longer, but I was like, no, like you're Santa Claus, get out of here. I've already experienced it. And the experience was first, I describe it as a river. Then it's like, no, no, it's a stream, but you couldn't hear it. 
And then imagine putting a Bose headset on and it was just perfectly calm. So, so I'm like, okay. So the, so that experience was like, okay. In my mind, it's as I thought when I go in the ground, it's just going to be Bose headset and peace. And we're just asleep. Well, God corrected that the next day, wake up first in the morning, 4 35 AM. And I'm like, Oh, and I was frolicking is the proper word with my wife in the garden, because the garden is where you end up. And it was just me and her, but here was the revelation. There's all these other kind of children running around. And I was like, holy cow, it's perfect peace. But you also get to run around with children because when my grandparents were here, just like they say, it's like, man, I picture my grandfather of when he was older. But I also have a picture of when he, when he's my age and younger, probably 25, 30, I'm 48. So I see that picture of him wearing the hat and he looks, it's like looking in the mirror with my grandfather. And so it's like, imagine he's now a little kid that you're running around with because when we're kids and we ask the five and six year old question and we, we have perfect alignment with what God told us to do then. And then the world disrupts us and causes us to do other things. And the Seattle thing to me is like, Oh, guess what? I'm okay. I've like 12 companies I'm building a website for right now. I do it on Squarespace. I'm pretty creative, but it's not my specialty. You've got way more years. You're a one-on-one in that area. And I've been like, okay, who can I entrust with this? Because I spent four hours. Then last night I spent another two. They sent me the videos and I upload them and I love it. And I love the hands-on, but we're all one part of one body. Hey, no. Why would I use a nose to do what I need my hand to do? Like you're, you're the hand, you're the, you know what I mean? You're the eyes, you're yeah. like, like, do your job, like they say in some football teams. <laughs> and so I need to do my job and say, okay, what are all the right people that need to be doing God's mission? Man, so this one, it's called Kingdom Chapel International Ministries. And their logo was like a king's hat with very bad old logos from PowerPoint from 1987. Um, and we upgraded into a fish with the right words that they want. Their vision was awesome. It's all in bold caps. And, um, but I'm looking at it going, man, if I gave you that site for like a week, you'd take it from, I, I think I give myself like an eight or a nine. You'd probably say, yeah, that's like a seven or a four. And in a week you would flip it into something that's magical. So you take Daryl's help with connecting and getting your vision of who, why you're one of one and God given identity is Rico Macadori. What's your fingerprint. So by the time you have all that, you got, we've got the mindset expert, we've got the heart expert, we've got the grace expert. And now let's tell everyone's individual stories because you matter. Everyone matters. Huh. Yeah. So That's I think powerful. your Seattle project that. is uh, just the tip of the spear, man, because there's a lot of business coming your way from this little entity that we're running. Um, yeah, all right. No, that's, so that's awesome. Two, two more questions. Um, sure. Maybe three. Uh, <laughs> you've already shared when God showed up. I just shared how God showed me this peaceful Bose noise canceling headset and, oh, we'll be frolicking in heaven together. And I'm like, wow, that gives me such better hope than I've ever had on that. Because I thought you just went in the ground. And, I, and I'm like, now I'm beyond a reasonable doubt positive. Has he talked to you 
giving you strong feelings. Like some people have yelling in their ears. Other people have what I had. What's, has he ever talked to you in a way? You know, I guess, and I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because I've not been as open to that. And I, maybe I'm a bit of a skeptic. I mean, certainly not towards my faith. I believe in God. I believe in, in Jesus Christ and the, the you know, uh, his journey on earth and the, the sacrifice he made for us. I believe all of that with, with all of my heart, but, you know, I would say where, where I feel like God has really spoken to me is like, you know, talking about the infertility issues, going, talking to our, uh, our pastor, getting involved in like, uh, Bible studies, just talking to other people, uh, of, of faith and just sharing, being more open about things. And it doesn't mean you have to go share every single thing with every single person, but, you know, building relationships and talking to them, because a lot of times, uh, you know, I think just through that, that networking and opening up to people and that fellowship, that tends to open a lot of doors as well. And I think that's what really, so that's when I think about God speaking to me, that's what I tend to associate with more is just, uh, you know, it's not, it's certainly not a, a one-way thing. Uh, it's a two-way communication. So it's being in prayer, constantly being in touch with God, reading Bible, doing doing a lot of the things that we need to do, but also reaching out to others and having fellowship with others, because then that brings out more perspective and you get advice. And a lot of times I think some of that is, you know, straight from God, he's using other people to speak to you. I, I truly believe that. And that was certainly the case with our uh, story with, with adoption and foster care. Uh, and it continues to be the, the case with, with other challenges and things we go through in our lives. Wow. So what you just said is precisely what the app that was built 60 to 90 days ago does. <laughs> You said prayer, you said, read the Bible and fellowship with others. And the, the only one that's defined differently in the app, the fellowship with others is just truly what it needs to be changed to, because that's what it is. So the app called 77 pray is after Matthew seven, seven, right? Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find knock and it will be open. And so it's like, I had the number 77 on a car sitting four feet from my head for the last five years. And it was a, it was a Pinewood Derby car that my dad and I built together and we'd run the race. And I always had a story that I told myself, Oh, dad doesn't love me. And it's like, Whoa, remember this goes back to what we just talked about. Now it clicks. Wait, he's my adopted dad. So it takes time for your adopted dad to build the connection with you because your father is your father in heaven. And that's the core relationship. And so of course me and my dad, he's a different person. Like he's, he, you know, every time if I buy a nice car, he buys one nicer. If uh, you know, cause it's like, Hey, he was a doctor and his brother, Gary, was kind of like me. Like he's the guy that's outgoing and hey, friend. And my dad's kind of like, no, no, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to study. I don't like to speak in public. I say my ums and ahs. And so that's a connection, dude. You just helped me realize yeah. he's the adopted dad. Not yeah. right. And it's, yeah, oh yeah. man, this all comes together. So that dude. is cool. That's awesome. I like that. So 77 <laughs> Pray, it's a dollar a month. We donated all of it to charity, 100%. Um, and it, we only have 150 subscribers. So that's pretty easy to do. But our plan is every time it moves up, uh, Food for Orphans for $11 a month, we can feed a child. So we were at three. Now we're moving to six. Then we're going to, we're going to just keep moving it up. And then over time, because it's a reminder, it's Fitbit for Faith. 
first thing in the morning, it pops up. So the other day I started going back into my normal drift because there's some things, I have this court case going on and it was like supposed to go live yesterday. And, um, and I'm like, okay, God, I got to take the reins back now because, and then I, and then it popped up right there, right in the moment of despair of 12 seconds. I'm like, oh yeah, no, he's the guy that's got it all. The spirit, the spirits are behind me and with me. So tells you to pray in the morning. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. That's why grandfather used to pray every day. So I do it in my head, whether I'm at the morning by the computer or in the bed or wherever, then read the Bible. So at first it was random verses, random verses that get served up or like my sister-in-law's who's in seminary school goes, Chad, these are out of context. And it could say like stupid, you know, things that are like, wow, you're not, it's like fake news where they give you one line. And I'm like, okay, got it. So what we're doing now is 14 verses, the next rev 2.0, 14 verses, because then it's 77 days to get through on average a book. And we're starting with Matthew. I always would start from Genesis and I never get past the half of Genesis. This force fits you into saying, let's get, get once you get through Matthew, you're going to have a totally changed perspective. So in 77 days, if you commit to this, the third piece is act. You click a button and it pops up and it says, do you want to? And, and so the rev one is you got to pick someone in your database. And so everyone X's it out. The rev two says, Hey, Chad, I just discovered this really cool app. It's changed my life. You should check it out. You know, and, and we got to fix the verbiage of what's in there, but Rev 2 is going to be really neat. And then pray at the end, bookend your day. You did it in the morning, now do it at night. Um, your will be done is the one at night that I really like. And then the community is crowdsourcing prayer. When my son had the burns, we, we crowdsourced it through LinkedIn. Well, on LinkedIn, not all people are like people. I, I would like it to be people that are just in faith. So, so we crowdsource prayer in the prayer part. Everything that you just said, it, it, we all drift as humans. And this causes you to say, no, 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 no. Let's rely, just like we do on Alexa to help us order our food or Grubhub to get something to your house. Let's just have a daily reminder to do the right thing and keep us on track. I love that. I absolutely love that because that's something that I struggle with all the time. And, you know, I have certain things that are reminders, like I'm on some some prayer chains, like with our church and things like that. So I'll get notices about someone who's going through some kind of difficulty and I'll stop right where, where, what I'm doing and at least take a few seconds just to pray for them. But, you know, that interruption and being able to, to stop and kind of have a schedule to that, um, I think is really powerful because I find myself so often like running out the door, taking kids to school, got my phone phones blowing up from all the emails and customer stuff that needs done. And it's like, oh, totally. I'm right. going to put this off. And, the Bible's and back on the shelf at the end of the yep. week, right? I, the trauma yeah. hit. I was out at the fire pit reading it every day. And with best of intentions, the movers are coming and all this stuff. And I'm like, picture takers. I'm like, okay, I got to clean it up. And I'm like, wait, but I've, I've left it standing on its own to remind me. And yet it's on the shelf again. And so don't put God on the shelf. The way to do it is put it. And so it's funny because there was a speaker who did the keynote. She talked about artificial intelligence and she goes, the key is we can't let AI wear the pants in the family, right? So you can't let it control you. But when you, when you make a decision for God and you go, you know what? I want to pray in the morning and at night. It doesn't have to be more than 30 seconds. I can commit to sharing this on my Facebook feed, my Twitter feed, or with one-to-one, because one-to-one's what I learned with my grandparents. And I'm like, wait a minute, my company's called ScaleX. 
my my company that's we're converting into the new company. I'm like, wait, and and I tried to buy scale.ai twice. God's like, no, 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 no. You're scaling Christ. You're not scaling AI. You're scaling X. And I'm like, oh, got it. Yeah, yeah. That's powerful. That's awesome. So last question is about faith. And when I ask what role is it, 100% of the time, oh, it's everything. So I'm going to change it. How do you define faith? How do you define faith? That's a good question. Um, I feel like I need to to get this question right. (laughs) Uh, Well, everybody has a uniqueness about it. And so by looking at it from the 360 degrees, Faith, the definition of faith for you is different than it is for me and different than someone. And that's yeah. okay because we're all created to be unique in our own way. Yeah, no, I, I agree hundred percent. And I think, you know, for me, I think what faith is, is about is uh, really embracing that. So not just kind of like just checking in on Sundays or even if you have an app, you know, and you're checking in the morning and checking at night and checking in to read scripture, those things are good. But then what do you do outside of those times? You know, what, do, how do you lead your life? And I'm, I'm certainly not perfect by any means. I, you know, have plenty of things I could point to that I could do better, but, you know, just trying to live your life the way Christ would want you to live. And so, you know, thinking just even simple things like the, you know, WWJD bracelets and things like that, like actually taking that to heart, not just wearing the bracelet, but actually taking that to heart and saying, for everything I deal with, what would Jesus do if he was in this, this situation? And I try to share that with my kids. And I think, you know, that's maybe going off a little bit of a tangent here, but I think it's, it's very applicable here where we get bombarded with so many complex situations uh, in life. And so you get down and, you know, say you can't see the forest through the trees. You get so down in that forest that you're not able to just step back and say, what is the right thing to do in this situation? Not what is the convenient thing? What's, you know, not what is going to, you know, not hurt as many people, hurt feelings or whatever, but just what is the right thing? And, you know, starting from that, and sometimes you can take just some really complex situations and really they become so much easier, almost like being your own therapist, your own consultant saying, if I was consulting myself, what would I tell myself to do in this situation? And I think when you do that and you apply you know, the, the belief system from the Bible as, as we as Christians do and think about what God calls us to do. I think to me, that's, that's really living a life in faith. That's what I think about with faith is just, you know, it being more uh, involved in all of your life, not just on Sundays, not just on these, these check-in times that you set for yourself, but carrying that message throughout your week. Um, and it's, it's a real challenge for me. So that's where I think, you know, if I say I struggle with my faith, it would probably be because of that. I truly believe in, in everything. It's just that we have challenges sometimes and we get distracted. And so, yeah. <laughs> that's big, man. It's 100% on where my head's at lately. The prayer when I was 10 minutes from the end of the road was, God, take like the big stuff that's obvious to me because obviously I can't handle it on my own. So like, I like, I, I liked, I'll call it past tense. Cause I liked to gamble. I liked to have two or three glasses of wine a couple nights a week. I never had like two bottles of wine or anything, but it was just on the verge where you're like, huh, that's probably blurring a line. And then it would cause you to be a little, a little hazy the next day. And it's, so yeah. it's like, am I an alcoholic? Maybe, maybe, mm-hmm. a maybe a functional alcoholic is what I've heard the term. Cause I can go, oh, I'll go cold Turkey for six months and I, it's no problem. Maybe the first two days are like, huh, that feels a little weird. And then, and then you're good. 
And so I'm like, oh, well, I'm, I'm fine then. Well, when I prayed the prayer and said, take the ones that are obvious, or if I'm riding on the Peloton, this one pisses me off because they're bringing the devil into your house. Because if you drive on a New Zealand bike or in New Zealand and you're riding your bike, that's where I went for one semester abroad. And that's fine. Well, now you change it. And I'm, if I'm looking at this cute lady that kind of looks like my wife, that's fine. We're just hanging out. Well, the minute they start going up and zooming in on parts of her body that it's inappropriate, it's like, dude, you're you're trying to you're trying to get inside of me. Get out. Like, no, yeah. that's not appropriate. So I said, take the obvious ones and let's let's do that. My other mm-hmm. prayer was please take the blurred lines that I'm not even aware of because we blur the lines where it's like, hey, you jerk in traffic or something. Okay, what would God say about that? And so when you take it all the way down and you like, am I aligning my, am, here's, here's the hard one. I'm going to reflect back for you for a minute. You got the Seattle customer. Am I aligning my God-given talents to solve for not here on earth, but eternity, comma, while making sure my family's in, in God's will? And so when you can couple those two together, and line it up to precisely what you're supposed to be. That's where your passion is. And it's like, wow, imagine if you have every customer like that and, and they were all paying you the highest amount of money you could ever make, like to a level where you're like, God, you gave me too much. The floodgates of heaven are open. And he says, one translation that's fake news says, test me on this. God would never say that. Hit the real word is prove me on this. So that's what I've been doing. I work for God, Inc., and I'm like, prove me on it. And so I'm to the point where I'm like, I can see the end of the cornucopia and it's going to be, it's going to be a, a, a boatload of money. I think it doesn't have to be, but to where I'm like, when I talked to my brother and my nephew at my son's dinner last week, two weeks ago, I said, so if you made like a hundred million dollars, how much goes to God and how much goes to you? And my nephew's taught by the church. Oh, easy. 10%. My brother comes over and kind of shows me the whites of his eyes. He goes, no, that's not actually true. It's whatever your needs are is what you should do. That's what God wants. He wants you to meet your needs. The rest is his. And I was like, got it. And I'd heard that once or twice. And to have my own brother tell me it, I'm like, yes, that's 100% accurate. And so you you might say, look, all I need is like $742,000 and I'll make 74 grand a year for life. I'm good. Another person in Africa says, Hey, all I need to make is hundred dollars a month and I can feed four families down the street for me. It's going to be amazing. So God doesn't say, let's give everyone $400,000 and let them line up in the food line. No, he says to each his own. I made you all individually. One guy needs to live by a river. Another guy needs to have a private jet. So one guy needs both of those things. Mm-hmm. Let's not define it for them. Let's, let's let God direct that. I think you're exactly right. That plays exactly into that whole thing of we're just, we're actors in this larger thing. And so mm. it's our job to identify what it is we're supposed to do. And that, like you said, it may be having a lot of wealth because it's needed for whatever you're supposed to do for God. In other cases, it's it's sharing out that wealth because you only need so much of it. I think that's huge. I, I love how the way you, you phrase that. Man, well, God put us here today. I'm very yeah. excited about this conversation um, I I'm a hundred percent positive. We're supposed to be working together on the website stuff because I can see it just in the way your site's designed. It's just like my 77 pray app looks and feels like that. We're going to build a new app. We're building websites for people. And when you line it up and it's like, look, Hey, I could charge $5,000, but huh, 
This came to me this morning. When I was a kid, I was a salesperson and I sold suckers on the bus. If you flip that, I sold literal suckers. Well, if you flip it, when I looked at the person buying, I was like, wait, I figured out a little hack. When there's two left, I can sell it for a dollar instead of 25 cents. My cost was like five cents each. And so I was looking at the, the buyer as a sucker. And I'm like, wait a second. And that's what you, that's kind of what you said. It's like, hey, we can sell stuff that, that's like, hey, I can get five grand here. But when you go and you use God's talents and you go, look, I know my cost is X. I know my margin needs to be 50% to keep the lights on or whatever, or maybe it's 80 normally. Well, maybe I can do it at a 40% margin because I want to change the world. And they don't need these other three services. They just need a cool looking website that's a basic template, right? Uh And so if we can get to a place where it's cookie cutter and we clone site one because we're building the academy and I've already got 12 of these, the first one is the ministry one in Africa. I'm like, wait, I got the podcast. I built the quiz and I'm like, ooh, we can scale this. A guy called me the other day, Michael who knows the president and he knows the pastor who guides the president. And apparently he was like, yeah, this Greek pastor. And he's like, we were talking about it. My company, you push a button and you can scale the message to 7.8 billion people in their languages for pennies on the dollar. Wow. Oh, so wow. What an amazing conversation. (laughs) Dustin, it's been fabulous having on the show today. I know we're going to do fabulous things together and uh, man, the waiting was the waiting was worth it because we have arrived and we're here now. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a real pleasure. I really enjoy talking to you and love what you're doing here. Uh, keep up the good work. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining a living a better story podcast. And remember you matter. God's peace. God's peace. God's peace. Thank you for listening to another God's episode peace. of living a better story. We hope that today's show has inspired you to cultivate a better understanding of yourself so you can discover your God-given purpose and start living a better story. For the show notes, visit livingabetterstory.org forward slash podcast, where you can also find other helpful resources. Connect with us and join us again next time for another purposeful show.